With everything we've endured in these last weeks, I suspect that most of us have dealt with feelings of dejection, defeat, and maybe even some depression. Being so abruptly separated from our routines and physical connections took a good deal of adjustment. In moments like this, losing sight of the place where grace is being poured out would be understandable. Cleopas and his friend, as they left Jerusalem on resurrection morning, were unable to recognize the risen Christ as he walked with them. Some would say that there was some supernatural reason, like somehow God was preventing them. That interpretation has always seemed a bit cruel to me. I think the reason is much closer to our own experience. When gripped with grief or some other deep shock to our life, it would be common to have our sight diminished. The Emmaus Road story gives us great insight for our life today. When Cleopas and his friend, though they were tired and worn down, extended hospitality, that is, they made themselves vulnerable to a stranger, they put themselves in a position to experience the life-altering grace that came when the unrecognized Christ became known in yet another act of self-giving love. As it renewed and energized Cleopas and his friends, so it can do for us. The Emmaus story today reminds us that there is power and possibility at work when we extend ourself in love and self-giving for another. This morning's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. The walk to Emmaus. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you're walking along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all of the scriptures. As they came near to the village to which they were going, he walked ahead 
as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered there. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Let the church hear what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Friends, I would invite you to pray with me as you see it printed in your order of service. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. I'd like you to take a moment this morning and think about uh, a time in your life or an experience where you were involved in um, a cause uh, or a ministry or something in the community, something that you were very passionate uh, about, something that you committed um, a lot of time to, a lot of emotional energy to, uh, body, mind, soul that you so were taken by, so captured by what this program or project um, was to accomplish that you were willing to, to, to give it all. Uh, think about it, it could be a ministry, it could be uh, an environmental cause. I know that some of you have worked on uh, political campaigns. These kinds of things that we can be involved in do tend to, to kind of ca capture us and become all-encompassing. So think about one of those experiences um, where you had poured everything into it and yet the outcome wasn't what you had hoped for. Uh, the peop it, You could have done absolutely right, be exactly in the right place, and still the outcome isn't what we expected. I think our camera went down. Do we still have sound? What's that? Um, okay, well, we are going to continue. We are going to continue there. What, is it, what does it look like, Sean? Okay, it's okay right now. Okay, so it's possible to, to not have... Uh, we had a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a tech issue with our stream, but I think we're back now. Um, it is very possible to end up with an outcome other than what we expected, even if we did everything right. That's a hard place to be. I mean, think about the emotions that you felt uh, defeated, to feel dejected, to feel like you want to shrink and, and, and pull back from 
what's going on in the world around you? If you've ever had one of those moments, if you've ever had one of those experiences, then you get a grasp of what Cleopas and his friend might have felt on Easter Sunday morning. They were leaving Jerusalem. They were defeated. They were dejected. It might even be, be given how Jesus died, it might even been that they had been in fear for their lives. And it might be early on a Sunday morning before the rest of the world is awake that they are trying to get out of Jerusalem while they can, and they're returning home. I, I've had moments in my own life where I, I had those feelings. I can relate to what Cleopas and his friend were, were feeling. The interesting thing about Cleopas and his friend and their witness is that they knew the witness. They'd walked with Jesus. They'd experienced Jesus' teaching. They'd seen the miracles. We don't know for how long, and we don't know at what distance. But it's clear that they knew. Because when they encounter the unrecognized Christ on the path, they're telling the story. We knew that he was a prophet from God, mighty in word and deed. And that he was handed over to the chief priests and that he was killed. We hoped that he would be the one, the one to restore Israel. They'd heard the witness of Easter morning. They'd hung around long enough in Jerusalem to know the witness of the women, to know the witness of Peter and John. They know the whole story. But they're still going home. They're still going home. And the Jesus that they had known, in their mind, Jesus was dead. So it would be understandable that they might not recognize Jesus standing in their midst. Because he died. They are dejected. Well, then the unrecognized Christ does this extraordinary teaching bit where he goes back to the beginning and starts to reinterpret Scripture again. Jesus is going painstakingly as they walk the seven miles, and he's connecting the dots for them. And still, they don't see him. Can you imagine feeling so defeated, so beaten down, that even after all of that, they still weren't able to recognize Jesus. I can relate to that. I have had a couple of moments in my life, as I'd mentioned earlier. I might not have been quite as far as Cleopas and his friend, but as I came out of it, I realized I was way closer than I wanted to be. It's easy in those moments, in what has been referred to as the dark night of the soul, to feel separated, to feel alone, to feel dejected. 
And yet an extraordinary thing happens. When they get home, Cleopas and his friend, after what had been a very long weekend, a very long week, in fact, a very long week, on the road, tired, feeling everything that they're feeling, it would have been easy for them just to say goodbye to this stranger and to go hunker down in their home. But they don't. They extend hospitality. No matter what they're feeling, they still have the wherewithal in that moment to do what's right. In that culture, engaging in hospitality to a stranger on the road is, is a bedrock principle. And not just for Israel, but really for all of the cultures who lived in that region of the world. Because everybody traveled and sooner or later you were going to need the hospitality of a stranger. It may have just been reflexive to open their home to the stranger to say, come on in. Come on in and let's have a meal together. Come, spend the night. Hospitality has a way of making us vulnerable. To extend ourselves to somebody in need, to offer a meal, to offer food, to offer a cup of cold water, to offer a place to stay makes us vulnerable. And it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, and yet they do it. Instead of sending him on his way, they welcome the stranger in. And by doing this, by doing this right thing, by taking this act, by becoming vulnerable to the stranger, they find themselves in a position to receive a grace that they could not have possibly imagined. Because in that moment, the stranger turns the table. The stranger and the guest becomes the host. And at the meal, the unrecognized Christ takes the bread and he blesses the bread and he breaks the bread and he gives them the bread. I hope that this is ringing a bell for you. If you've been a part of this worshiping congregation, you'll recognize that this act of taking the bread and blessing the bread and breaking the bread and giving the bread is exactly what we do when we celebrate Holy Communion, when we celebrate the Eucharist, when we celebrate this meal where we remember Christ's presence with us even now. In this Eucharistic moment, the unrecognized Christ becomes the recognized and risen Lord, the Lord who is present with them. And in that moment, though he vanishes from Cleopas and his friend's sight, he's, he's gone, they have their eyes opened, finally, to put the pieces together, to remember all of these things. And then they're able in that moment to recognize and the, the statement is just so beautiful. Were not our hearts burning within us as we walked the path together? In retrospect, they recognized that Jesus had, in fact, been with them every step of this journey from Jerusalem to home. And then what they do next is in some respects even more mind-blowing 
for me. They've walked seven miles after a long week, and they are so energized by this moment of recognizing the risen Christ that they run back to Jerusalem. Have you ever walked seven miles and then felt like, oh, gee, that was fun. I think I'll go and walk seven more miles. Or I think I'll go run seven miles. That's how Luke describes it. They run back because now they too have a story to share. And they're not going to wait for the morning. They're not going to wait for Monday morning to come around and then go back. It's late in the afternoon. They run back to Jerusalem to meet with the others. This is really, truly an extraordinary story of how today in, in our own lives we, we struggle with the idea of, of sight and blindness, of being connected and, and not seeing Jesus with us, of being worn down and beaten down by the world around us and yet being open to the possibility this is an important story for us even today in this moment in this COVID-19 separation because the same things that Cleopas and his friend learned are ways that today we can experience even in our separation with the ways that we feel defeated, the ways that we feel dejected, the ways that we are uncertain and even fearful. The pathway to seeing the Christ who is present in our world even today is the same as Cleopas and his friend. When we're willing to not ignore and not paper over our own feelings, but when we were willing to set those aside, even for a moment, to extend hospitality to a stranger, to reach out to friends who feel alone and separated, people who are homebound, people who are locked down, people who are in fear of losing their jobs, people who are, are, are fearful for family members, in some way, shape, or form, all of us know people who are living in this kind of uncertainty and fear as we do ourselves. And if we're willing to set that aside, even for a moment at a time, to reach out and extend hospitality, then we see for ourselves and we reveal for others the risen Christ who is present. And it happens on a micro scale, but it's happening on a macro scale. And it's happening around the world. Many of you, I, I suspect, like me, have seen incredibly heartwarming stories of people who have been able to extend hospitality in a variety of ways, buying pizzas for emergency room workers, by um, shouting and clapping out the window at seven o'clock, by singing or dancing or, or lining up in a front yard to, to sing happy birthday to a, to a homebound person, 
or to a child. Uh, I, I was watching even this morning the, uh, the gentleman, the 99-year-old veteran in the UK that was uh, walking to raise money for the National Health Service workers. And that a young boy with spina bifida that's only been able to even walk with a, like a carriage for 18 months is doing the same. You see, this kind of generosity and this kind of hospitality is contagious. I hear stories in our own community of the ways that people are responding. And I'll tell you right now, every single one of those acts of hospitality, whether it's a sack lunch or a hot meal or a card or a smile on the street. I was out for a walk yesterday morning and, it, and I watched, I hadn't, this is not the first day that I'd been out walking, but I was beginning to notice that I was, as I was walking on the sidewalk and I saw people walking toward me, rather than, you know, be in the same space on the sidewalk, people would walk out into the street, you know, walk out into the parking lane so as to not impinge upon it. And I mean, not, you know, five feet away or 10 feet away. I mean, almost to the point where in sight. And I realized what an incredible gift that is. So I started doing it too. Friends, it's contagious. These acts of hospitality that we can share. And every single one of them, every single one of them makes and reveals the presence of the risen Christ. Whether or not people believe it or not, whether they're Christians or not, whether they're struggling or not, whether they're antagonistic or not, what this story reminds us is that every single act does make Christ present because it builds kingdom builds these community relationships and at the end of the day in this moment that is our highest calling that is our highest priority and as I shared at the beginning of the service I, I have been touched my heart has been warmed by all the ways that, that you all as a community of faith are doing this and so at this moment at the end of this text at the end of this sermon I only have two words for you, just two. We'll make it simple. Don't stop. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this sermon from Redlands First United Methodist Church. I hope you've been encouraged. If you are interested in being part of our worship experience during this time of physical separation, Please join us at 9.30 a.m. Sunday, Pacific Time, on our YouTube channel, Redlands First UMC. That's Redlands, F-I-R-S-T-U-M-C. Redlands First UMC.